0: The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies the voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We are dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. Leslie Morse here. Welcome back to the Coaching Agile Team's mini-series as part of the Women in Agile podcast. I'm excited this episode brings you the second part of my conversation with Lisa Adkins, where we finish exploring the pathway to becoming an Agile coach. Lisa brings it all in this episode. I'm thrilled for you to hear the true wisdom she shares on this topic. The first part of our conversation ended last week as we opened a discussion on ethics. We explore many facets of that today, and you'll see how it served as an entry point for a deep discussion on the intersection of professional coaching and Agile coaching. The real emphasis here comes in how agile coaching isn't professional coaching, but professional coaching is part of agile coaching. And my favorite part is when we start exploring the blind spots of those new to professional coaching skills. It can be such an exciting and challenging time. The practical tips, personal stories, and calls for self-reflection nestled into this part of the episode are endless. I probably wrote down no less than seven really powerful quotes from Lisa here. And so I hope you find some great nuggets too. And now it's time to get ready. There's a lot here. Lisa and I would love to hear from you on what you're learning in this mini-series. So please find us on LinkedIn and let us know what you think. As always, if you want to stay up to date with everything happening on the Coaching Agile Team's mini-series, please visit us online at www.womeninagile.org. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Thanks so much for tuning in.
1: What can we do to create more consistency in the profession of agile coaching so that people know what to expect and what they're buying? Because to your point earlier, I see 15 resumes. They all look like they're pretty much the same. And I don't know who is sort of real and who isn't because anyone can call themselves an agile coach.
0: And there are plenty of certifications that you can go and sit in a class and, Get something that says you're certified, but that doesn't mean you have that capability validation for the ability to apply that knowledge.
1: That's right. We've, and we've already talked about how practice and time are so important because what we're doing is not just learning the latest sort of skill. I think about being a programmer, right? And if I go to a class or I just pick up a book or I learn from a friend, a new programming language. It's not going to require me to confront all of my internal limitations as a human being. Uh-huh. But the professional coaching skill set does. Yes. And so it's, it's, a, it's just a huge shift that takes some time and practice. And so I really appreciate that the Agile Alliance is going after the, the idea, the question of what are the ethics of this profession you know, because all professions that are real professions have ethics and standards and competencies. Yeah,
0: I was talking to Faith nice. Fuller about um, she's one of the co-creators of Orsk coaching, organization relationship systems coaching. And um, I was asking her a question about ethics and, and doing coaching work uh, in the agile context. And she said, well, Leslie, which code of ethics wins? And I said, well, there isn't a code of ethics when we get into the agile space. She goes, then you're not a real profession. That's right. And I just had not even thought about that distinction until a couple months ago. So it's just the um, this is the true instance of and you and you said a moment ago, it's like 18 months. The past 18 months has been all of a sudden where all of this seems to just be coming online. It's like we're reaching a tipping point where the system, it is naturally emerging all of these things that like I almost can't even imagine what it's going to be like in another 24 months. Um, once all of this, these little building blocks really kind of start lining up with each other.
1: It's really exciting that we have so many minds on this discipline right now,
0: mm-hmm.
1: on this agile coaching discipline, because I think it's dawned on enough people that just teaching people agile is not going to create the sustainable change in organizations we're looking for. Yeah. yeah. And and agile coaching can but right now, there's just so much inconsistency.
0: Yes, well, in that inconsistency that you're talking about, you, we talked to briefly about mentorship and questions to ask people that are mentors, but um, doing due diligence around your training providers and your instructors is also important. And I. Um, I realize the way I'm going to ask you about this may not be completely skillful. And I'm going to go back to something you've said in another conversation we had, um, is that, when you were doing the work hands-on with Agile Coaching Institute and working with Michael Hammond and Michael Spade, and you got to a place in the journey where you saw other people entering the marketplace that were offering Agile coach training, but they hadn't been real students of professional coaching and necessarily done, their pathway to offering that instruction was very different. And and I don't want to say, yes, there are people out there that are just studying just enough of the IC Agile learning objectives to build a course to go deliver it, and they can talk the right game. But I do think there might be some of that out there. So how do you distinguish between educational providers and educational partners you could work with separate from how you might distinguish between good mentorship?
1: Yeah. So let me talk about that in just a second. One thing I want to give IC Agile kudos for is that they recognized that that had happened in a couple of cases. Yeah. But somehow people had slipped in under the radar and they were teaching skill sets that they did not have deeply embedded in themselves. Because what we're doing with Agile coaching, for example, is teaching just like the first inch of professional coaching and that's a discipline itself like a mile deep. Yes. Same thing with facilitation, right? We're turning mentoring and teaching on their heads in how we teach Agile coaches to think about those two skill sets. So yeah. So when I see Agile realized that they came back and they said Okay, those of you who do not have a professional coaching credential, a certification from a recognized body, you need to do some professional coaching with us. Let, let's get on the phone together. Let, let us run you through the same paces we've been running other people through when they come for the expert gate review. Mm-hmm. And they were able then to weed out the people who were just sort of teaching it an inch deep and they didn't even quite know it an inch deep themselves. And then yes. keep the others.
0: That's good. So, so let's use this angle. We'll talk a little bit more because I don't want to take us off around more of this. how to know if you've got a good well, educational partner.
1: Well, I think I think it's a really good thing to to yeah, to ask. That question is a very very good question to ask because, um. Unlike something a skill set that is in the same mindset. This Agile coaching skill set is coming from a totally different mindset. And so you have to sort of know that the people who are teaching you have been through enough typically experiences and training outside the Agile world to have gotten that mindset. And so I often ask, people ask me this all the time, so how do I choose a teacher for Agile coaching? And I say, well, ask them who their teachers were and ask them what schools they trained in. If they can't tell you that they trained at a professional coaching school, that you can look up and you can see what philosophy they have and you can see that they are you know, they have something that looks rigorous to you, then they're going to be able to teach you something an inch deep and when they don't even have the mile deep themselves. Yeah. See, this is the thing that's that's really different about this. In order to teach the inch deep, the skill set has to be so fully embodied in the teacher.
0: It is. in it, and being someone that was mentoring folks on agile coaching before I had my own professional coach training and certification, I, I now, now that I can like, oh gosh, like I did such a disservice to people over the years. Not that I'm, I, I know I helped them, right? But I also know how much I wasn't able to do with them and for them um, simply because I was operating from two inches deep and they were operating at an inch deep. And it just, it's one of those weird positions that people can be in.
1: Yeah, and you know, as you say, you didn't hurt them, but we're not necessarily getting the full promise of Agile in those situations either, probably.
0: right. Right. It's like, in retrospect, I was a really good agile consultant and agile mentor. I was never really a very good agile coach. An
1: agile teller. Yes. We have a common friend, Brian Stallings, and that's what he said. He realized when he went to the um, coaching classes that I taught with the Agile Coaching Institute, he's like, oh, I've been an agile teller this whole time.
0: Yes, yes, yes. It's so easy to rely heavily on the teaching stance. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit more about that intersection of um, agile coaching is not professional coaching, but professional coaching is part of agile coaching and those underpinnings. Um, In fact, I'll actually, I'll quote from you from, from the, or quote you from the book, you know, for example, we don't bring the full intent of professional coaching to agile teams because pursuing each person's individual agenda would overshadow the purpose of an agile team to frequently produce real results that people find valuable. Instead, we use skills from professional coaching to help each person become the best agilist they can become. Thus we contextualize it for the agile world. Yep. That's right. So professional coaching itself
1: is a side dish on the menu, along with a few other side dishes, you know, and the main course is agile. Mm -hmm. That's what we're there for now. Now, If you do have the professional coaching skill set um, a mile deep and you really can live into that and you organize it with your client or with your boss, if you're inside an organization that you are going to do that, then that's okay. I mean, that's, that's being transparent and above board. Where we get into confusion, and I think where agile sometimes gets a bad name, is where we have agile coaches coming in and they don't have that clarity. They have been to maybe a few professional coaching classes and they are in love with professional coaching. And before you know it, they have coached people completely outside the scope of why they're supposed to be there. And now the organization is going, wait a minute, we, we didn't hire you. We didn't hire you to coach each of our employees to their fullest personal potential. That's not what we're doing here.
0: And this is where the agenda, right? In true professional coaching, it is the client's agenda. And that's what you're holding. But as agile coach, you are holding the agenda of agility. Right. And that is really what you're serving. And I, lo- I love how you phrase it, right? Help each person become the best agilist they can become.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: right. Because it's really easy to end up on a slippery slope of um, conflicts of interest.
1: That's right. All of a sudden we're coaching people on leaving the organization. Yes. And the leaders in the organization going, whoa, 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 hang on. I thought you were going to help us use Agile. Yeah. And now you've stirred up all of this discontent with the fact that you are now asking people to examine their full work and life. And now they're saying, oh, they're not happy. You know, so that's that is a useful thing to do. Like that professional coaching skill set for that purpose is useful if that's what you are there to do.
0: Right. The other the other blind spot I see around people that are early in their journey is over leveraging the stance of coach and everything becomes I have to do it like a coach. And they almost abandon mentorship or teaching. I don't see them abandon facilitation as much, but it's like any type of directive um, seems like, oh, gosh, that's the wrong way to do it because I'm a coach now. Um, how do you see that show up?
1: Well, one of the things that we got much clearer on in the second version of the IC Agile learning roadmap for Agile coaching was that this idea of creating possibilities for deepening the team members and the teams and the organization's capabilities is central to the role of Agile coaching. And that also jives really well with professional coaching because that's what professional coaches are there to do, help people increase their capabilities, help people live fuller, happier, more fulfilled lives. So even in mentoring, for example, when we started to really, because we had experience of about six years of teaching people an Agile flavor of mentoring, we realized that there were some nameable skills there. For example, keeping the client at resonant choice. So resonant choice is actually a skill under mentoring. So whereas someone who is just sort of doing mentoring without much of a framework in their minds will just go be an agile teller, let me Mm -hmm. just go tell you what to do. Because what we're trying to do as agile coaches is create the possibility for sustainable agile in all these individual people, we have a belief set similar to professional coaching, that things people choose of their own free will are much more likely to, number one, get done, and number two, become a sustainable change inside of them. Yep. So, you know, so we got sort of clearer about that. And that's why I say professional coaching, is the, that mindset or that come from place, is an underpinning to even teaching and mentoring.
0: Yeah. When the, I, and I've recently been exposed to EMCC as another organization, and I, I will not get the acronym right if European, I say
1: European I, Mentoring, Coaching, can, what's the same? Council. I, yeah. I, I can't. It's either council or consortium, something
0: like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. But they, in the same way that we think of, right, you know, professional coaching or professional facilitation, training and certification, they actually have like professional mentorship as a thing that you can go study and really hone those skills in and like i'm like why does that have to just be european right like can that be like but bring me some of that here in the us in a real way because there's not many you know qualified providers of that here yet
1: no there aren't
0: hey everyone natalie warnert here the president and executive director of women in agile Org. I wanted to thank you for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. We're thrilled to have this as a platform to showcase the wisdom of our community. We'd love to get your help to amplify the reach of the series by asking you to go over to iTunes in order to rate and review us. After you're done, take a screenshot of your rating and review, then post a screenshot to Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn and tag hashtag Women in Agile. If you do this, we'll not only reshare your post, but also add you to a monthly drawing to receive a Women in Nagel goodie bag filled with Wea stickers and other treats. Thanks for listening.
1: I want to pick up something you said a moment ago, which was talking about um, how the professional coaching skill set can sort of overshadow a coach's um mm-hmm. Other stances. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, like instead of it being a side dish, all of a sudden it becomes a main course and it gets stuffed down everyone's throat. Yes. Right. So there's a if you are studying something and especially if you sort of fall in love with it a little bit it would be natural to sort of overdo it yeah so i think that there's a part of this that's just very natural and just needs to be recognized and called out and say you know hang on you're doing yeah. you're not you're in that you know super duper coach thing again that's maybe not what we need right now yeah but the other thing is that we when you learn something that's so shockingly new, like professional coaching, which most people learn for the first time, oh my gosh, I can provide value without having to tell people my opinion, without having to provide expertise. Oh my yes.
0: gosh, this is amazing. That And I think that second piece of that there, Lisa, is actually the most freeing liberating part is I can be a vehicle for enabling growth of others without having to be the expert in it. Like I go back to the classic definition of the word coach, a vehicle that transports a very important person from where they are to where they want to be. Yep. And all you become in that coaching stance is that conduit for that person to do their own journey. And that is like so magical it is it's magical and
1: so you can see why people sort of get so enamored with it that it becomes the main course for everything and the other thing is that when you start getting separated from your identity married to your opinion and your expertise which is what the professional coaching skill set does for you um you might go a little overboard with the empathy and the listening and the powerful questions and The extreme Mm -hmm. self-management, I'm not sure about that last one. Let me think about that for a second. But what I'm trying to say is that people fall in love with the heart of professional coaching and they never get to the realization that there's a ton of backbone in professional coaching as well. And so this is something that I've been bringing to my clients lately because classically I'll have a client come to me and she'll say something like, yeah, you know, I've got 200 agile coaches in this organization and I really need you to help them. Develop their skills because you know the time for sitting around and asking questions is over and I'm like whoa, 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 what what are you talking about? Yeah, and I can understand if a lot of those agile coaches are experiencing professional coaching for maybe You know it early they're early on in that and they realize that they can provide value without having to be the expert Maybe they got so enamored with the, the powerful questions piece that they never really implemented the fact that these professional coaching conversations have a very strong backbone where something actually happens at the end of the conversation.
0: Forward the action.
1: Forward the action.
0: Yeah, in the same way that highly skilled agile teams are very disciplined and rigorous Like there is strong rigor and sort of discipline to coaching conversations as well. Um, What are other ways that people might get in over their heads with professional coaching and the way that they use that when they occupy their role of agile coach?
1: Well, I think we touched on it before is them not being clear about why they're there. So if if that agile coach is not like 100% clear about with their client and they don't have a really clear social contract and designed alliance about why they're there, then the professional coaching skill set, because we necessarily deal with a whole person's life, can go in lots of different directions. And we now all of a sudden we're talking about someone's impending divorce, which actually could very well Impact their work and their ability to be this accomplished agilist and, and human being at the workplace. But when it becomes about the divorce, then that's a place agilists can get themselves in trouble. And that's the place where you have to make a couple mistakes, and I certainly did, and practice the, the phrases that you're going to use to get out of those mistakes. And one of those phrases yeah. for me is, hang on. I think we've just hit the boundary of what I'm here for. Yes. You know, and what you're talking about is important. Clearly, you know, it's something that you could spend some time on and I'll be happy to recommend some other professional coaches to you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, having done work to collaborate on designing a course that's in alignment with IC Agile Enterprise coaching objectives. One of those sections around right your own personal boundaries and what you can and can't do from a skill set perspective, and the ethical boundaries of what you should and shouldn't do when employing professional coaching skills is a really important place to do your own reflection and journaling and thought because it's. Um, I mean, we'll all end up in, you know, potentially in situations where it's like you don't realize you've gone too far until you've gone too far. Oh, no, I can't touch the bottom of the pool anymore. And maybe I don't know how to swim quite as well as I thought. But um, but you do know how to swim enough just to get back a couple inches so you can touch. Um, This can be a slippery slope. And so I think it takes lots of just awareness and mindfulness and all these things
1: and the great news about all of this is because transparency is a core value you could just really be transparent about this whole thing you don't have to like make it look suave and debonair and like your hair didn't get messed up you know you said like oh my gosh i got into the deep end of the pool with you and i realized that we were in terrain that's outside of my skill set or it's outside of the scope of why i'm here or yeah. any number of things.
0: Yeah. You, you said something earlier, Lisa, about um, having people be a choice about what's best for them. You spoke of that specifically when we were discussing mentorship. Um, if I could go back and have a do-over working with some of the teams that I've worked with, as I occupied sort of the agile coach role, I wish I would have taken time with them early when I was designing how we work together to teach them just enough of the agile coaching competency framework and how it's all different. So when we had an opportunity to do something, I could go back and say, so which of these approaches do you think would be best for you all right now? Do you want me to teach or mentor or coach or facilitate, and actually putting your client at choice around the best way for you to engage with them would have been such a smart thing to do back then.
1: (laughs) Well, you know what they say, do you know the best time to plant a tree? Yesterday. 20 years ago.
0: Oh yeah, tw- yeah, twenty years ago.
1: And, so you know that yes. right? the second best yeah. time is today. So, <laughs> yeah, like, so yeah. like yeah, so the second best time to do that is right now. So next time yeah. you'll do it, and and that's what I do, and that's what many of the coaches I've helped develop do. Like very early on in an engagement, draw up that competency framework and color it in, just like you yeah. found that that piece of paper where you colored it yeah. in years ago from a conference presentation. You know, and this is also gives me permission, for example, to say, okay, so we have these three mastery areas down at the bottom of this competency framework, technical mastery, business mastery, transformation mastery. I can color in the transformation mastery wedge the whole way. Business, maybe half, technical, not at all. Mm-hmm. So when you need help with continuous integration, continuous deployment and delivery, I'm going to have to pair with another agile coach that has that. Yes, because I can't do that, and so it sets up expectations all the way around and gives people a new language. Because when people say agile coach or agile coaching, Lord knows what they're thinking.
0: It, it's like it, it's like a Swiss Army knife or a Leatherman tool. It's it could be it could do fifty different things.
1: Yep. And yet, each of those has a, um, a desired best function, mm-hmm. right? Now, I have used the corkscrew to open things other than wine bottles, but it just does yeah. not work as well as what it's intended for, right? Yes. So by, by having that language, that shared definition around that competency framework, or any other thing you're using that is sort of your model of how you're developing yourself in your agile coaching discipline, it gives you permission, as you said. You go and say, hey, hang on now, which place do we want to be? But it also opens new possibilities for people because most people don't know that professional coaching is different from teaching, for example. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. So true. So true. Lisa, our goal when we prepped for this conversation today was to like just open people's eyes to all the possibility that there is on going through your own journey on that pathway to becoming an agile coach. Uh, What else do you wanna share that might fire some other light bulb moments for folks before we wrap up?
1: I just really want people to know they don't have to invent agile coaching from the ground up. There are enough definitions, enough models, enough development pathways, um, I would say, go and look at them, look at the ones we've mentioned, see what makes sense to you and just follow it because there have been other people who have put a lot of time and energy and expertise in carving out that paved road for you. And we don't need to make it harder on ourselves. I mean, the job itself is hard enough.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then Lisa, what are you, what are you grateful for? What are you appreciating this afternoon?
1: I'm really appreciating all the people who have come into the discipline of Agile Coaching and who are carrying forward the ways of helping people become really good at it. I mean, it is a 21st century leadership position. Agile Coach, Scrum Master, Release Train Engineer, all of these Agile Coaching disciplines positions. They are 21st century leadership positions. And I think that it just sets us up really well for where we're headed in business and in the world. And so I just really appreciate all their work. Yeah. You know, so many people, I don't even know who they all are. I appreciate all their work.
0: Yeah. It, um, I'm almost imagining it as this kind of, um, giant group of everybody holding kind of their own individual candles and like every person that's been on this has lit a portion of the pathway so that we can see it. Um, And thank you for being one of those trailblazers that helped create the movement that made all of this possible. You're
1: welcome. You know, I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Michael Spade and his role because where I had in the coaching angel team's book, this idea of coach as this coach as that. He was like, oh, no, 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 we need a model. Now, I'm not a model maker, but he is. And because, because of that, he he created the Agile Coaching Competency Framework. It's primarily his brainchild, and he and I iterated on it many, many times with many, many classrooms of students. Um, but, you know, he, he's also one of those early people hacking through the, the jungle with me.
0: I love that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I just appreciate the power of possibility today. And um, I was talking to Clive Prout, who is, has been a uh, faculty for Agile Coaching Institute before uh, the other day, and he was asking me about my own mission and purpose. And I said, um, in some ways, my journey um, felt like I started taking a drug <laughs> and I'm high and I want to get other people high. So how do I become the gateway dealer that helps people get onto the journey because there is such an addictive quality to what becomes alive in you in the way you experience life in different ways. When you really start honing some of these skills and getting clear about how the stances are different and can discern situationally what to apply when Um, it just You do live, I I, at least for me, I live life in a much more full way. And so like I'm just appreciative of the people that have come before me and the people that have been pivotal on that journey and our opportunity to get other people high.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What's the (laughs) in?
0: Yes, exactly. High on life. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I love it. I love it. Yeah, it is it we we often say that a lot of these models that are underpinning the agile itself and the agile coaching discipline are psychoactive. Yeah. They actually change the way your mind works.
0: I can attest to it. They do. Yeah, they do. So this is the invitation to listeners, right? Go find that resource. Have that conversation. Seek that mentor. Seek that partner and embark on your journey. Yep. And we'll check the show notes because there's going to be a ton of links in the show
1: notes here too, of all yes. of the things we've mentioned.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, Lisa, thank you for exploring this conversation today.
1: You're welcome. I I love it. it. I just love it. Love it.
0: All right. We'll talk soon. Okay. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Coaching Agile Team's mini-series. The Women in Agile podcast team is honored to be the home for this special content. If you enjoyed the show, we ask you to please rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your other preferred podcast platform. That will help us achieve our mission of amplifying the voices of women in our Agile community. As always, a huge thank you to the Women in Agile podcast sponsor, Accenture Solutions IQ. And if you're interested in finding out more about the initiatives from the Women in Agile nonprofit organization, we invite you to visit womeninagile.org. Thanks again for tuning in.